0: and what up sports fans thank you again for tuning in to the Nerds Who Live podcast on this episode we have the CEO of Strong First himself a legend, really, in the fitness game, especially in Europe, Italy, Mr. Fabio Zonin. Uh, for those of you who don't know what Strong First is, Strong First is an international company, and they create coaches. Honestly, they have some of the best physical education, uh, coaches, certifications, uh, around. They have a kettlebell certification, which is really their staple and flagship, their barbell certification, and then their bodyweight certification. And they focus on making really good coaches. I mean, it's just that simple. Where, but it's not just making coaches, but also having a performance to back it up. So all the coaches have to go through a performance test, a technique test, and then a coaching test of how well they can actually implement coaching cues and work with a subject or a student. Um, I've known and have followed Strong First for many years, since where I really started getting a lot of my lifting knowledge. And I've had the pleasure to meet and train with Mr. Fabio Zonin uh, twice now. And that really started my journey into powerlifting. Um, I lifted with him once, or more, took his a clinic of his on kettlebell in Milan, Italy, when I was there for a charity event that I worked And then he came to Burbank and did a lifting seminar, which really introduced me to the basics of actual powerlifting. And from there, that is what started me down lifting heavier and eventually got me into powerlifting and where I am now. So he really is the cause, uh, along with my old coach, Mr. Alberto Galazzi, who introduced me to him, the two roots that really brought me to where I am now and to fall in love with powerlifting. So it was really cool to be able to get his time. Obviously, he lives in Italy, which is highly locked down. He's been at home for probably six to eight weeks now, Um, and he's still busy. And again, he is the CEO of Strong First, which is an international company. So he is our first, you know, international uh, guest on the show. Obviously, we've had some good old Canadians on, uh, which are our neighbors to the north, but we have not had a full-on overseas international. So very excited about that anyway so me and miss amber sit down with him and looking forward to picking his brain we talk about his history we talk about how he got started and really what it was like for him in the you know, 70s 80s learning how to lift and bodybuilding and a little bit about strong versus you know it's itself So, really fun. I hope you guys enjoy it because he said he really is a legend. He's been around doing this for a very long time and he's a wonderful person. So, without further ado, Mr. Fabio Zonin on the Nerds Who Live podcast.
1: Uh, It took me some time to get online.
0: Hello. It's, it's two minutes, Fabio. You're fine.
1: <laughs> I usually break the second.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. your punctuality is infamous. It's true. It's good to see you again. How are you?
1: Good, good. Uh, I mean, well, locked home.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> locked home, training home, doing everything from here, but doing well. Doing well. well,
0: yeah. Awesome. Um, this is my friend and co-host, Amber. So she's actually Hi. from Canada. Hi, so. Hi. Um, And so, and you're, remind me Fabio, you're in Venice, correct? Or just outside? Uh,
1: Not really, just outside of Venice. Just outside? We're half hour drive, more or less.
0: Okay. Well, thank you for coming on. You're actually my first, technically, like, international guest for the show. Oh, Oh, lucky. I'm honored. Thank you. No, I'm honored. I'm honored to have you. I'm glad. I mean, usually you're so busy, but obviously in this time, can make I, use of it.
1: Uh, actually, I'm even busier because you know I have to manage all the cancellation rescheduling of all events worldwide. That's I have not been working so much, even that even if I can't travel. But um, this is the time where you know you shouldn't be picky. I like to take all opportunities to, you know, give something to online community. This is the only way people can have information right now. No, we live and so I try to make myself available as much as I can because we need to give people what they need right now and get yeah. some help. So let's help them.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I, um, like I saw you had released, you know, like a whole free home workout program, like a, what was it was a 16 week program.
1: I'm writing number two, it's eight week. And I'm uh, finalizing the, uh, the, uh, following of that plan. Awesome. I like to, uh, you know, what I have seen on, on, we can talk about that later, but you know, on um, most people are posting, you know, online you know, workouts, day workouts. Yeah. But mm-hmm. workout doesn't take you anywhere. You have some yeah. fun day, but you don't lead to a result. And it's not easy when you're home, you're frustrated to stick to a workout. But if you have a goal and a plan yeah. that you know leads you to something, you have some testing before, some testing after, probably it's easier for people to stick to the plan. And mm. so I thought, let's do something a little bit more serious. And yeah, I was happy to share it. And uh, to, you
3: know, I think that's great.
2: Yeah,
1: especially since a lot of people
0: are kind of being assholes and trying to capitalize and sell programs while you just yeah
2: gave them. I don't
1: think, you know, this is not the time to sell stuff. Everybody's yeah. trying to sell now. I understand that those are difficult times for everywhere and trainers, they need to, be there online, they do need to sell. I am part of a company and I'm supposed, which you know, helps trainers and helps students to get stronger. And I think that at this point, even though if we're also you know, experimenting some financial you know, hard time challenges, but I think that right now, what we should do is on our side is provide as much support as we can. Yeah. and so i'm not going to sell anything right now i did so many i did basically an average of one or two webinars per week here in italy all of them for free mm-hmm. awesome or we collected some money for charity because no. we need to the retros we need to help you know people who can't buy food you know, you know. there's so much help needed now yeah. and probably within six months i'll have no more money so i need to sell something but yeah. for now, until they can afford it, let's, you know, take care of those who can't, so.
0: Yeah, and, you know, and I think that's, you know, that's always been, that's always been, I, I think, you know, Strong First as a company is always very much community first. Um, and I know a lot of, you know, since I've started uh, competing in powerlifting, obviously, like, I knew you before that. Um, not a lot of us know about Strong First, and so that's why I was also excited to have you on. So if you could, maybe give for those a little introduction and backstory on yourself and then also um coming into your role now as the head of strong first yeah for those who don't know please give them a little bit about yourself how you got here um, and then about strong first
1: all right so i'm fabio Zonin. of course i'm from italy uh always born here lived here all the time and um my background so i did just a little bit of you know karate martial arts when i was a kid and then I got into training at the gym uh, with weights when I was about 13 years old. So this is back in 1982, mm-hmm. a long time ago. And <laughs> the reason why I got there is because I was overweight. And I was weak. And I got beat up uh, by some older guys. So I said, I got to get strong. I need to become strong. And uh, I went to a gym. and It happened to be... A, Then, where they used to do also weightlifting and powerlifting which was not very popular over here in Italy and um, I got pretty good results right away so when I was age 15 I did my first powerlifting meet and I did powerlifting for a few years and you know as a young dude I was uh, they said I was gifted so I was getting good results and until I got my first disc hernia before Mm was probably my 18s. I need to understand that in the 80s, there was no internet, there was no books. I think I owned one book for like five years. And all we could see is, you know, if someone traveled to the US, would bring here home, would bring some, you know, US magazines about strength training, you know, about, there was Milo, probably Flex, you know, and stuff like that. We only had one, a magazine about weight training in Italy called Cuntura Physica physical culture. So we had no knowledge. And um, so I recall that I was asking my, my coach, he was a weightlifting coach, basically, but I was doing powerlifting. I was asking him tips, you know, on how to train. For instance, I would say, okay, how about the squat? And he's was, well, well you, you set the bar on your shoulders, you squat down and you come back up. <laughs> how about, where should I put the bar high low on your shoulders you squat down you come back up yeah but how about my stance should it be wider should it be you just put it on your shoulders squat down come back up but how do i know if it's you know correct is it proper or not and his reply would be well if you're able to come back up it's good (laughs) there's something wrong there so pretty much this was the training advice, you know, right yeah. now we're used to get coached through the lift in all those details, it was nothing like that. It was just, you get the bar, you lift. Yeah. Uh, this applied to deadlift, this applied to the squat. So technique was not proper. Uh, training was what we heard, what we thought, it was pretty much trial and error, experimenting. So of course I got, I got strong pretty quick because I was young, but I got injured pretty quick. And so they suggested, you know what? Try bodybuilding. Ladder weights and <laughs> you're safer. Yeah. So, so uh, at the times, the, the very first Natural Bodybuilding Federation, I think now we're speaking about 89, 89, mm-hmm. 90, but Natural Bodybuilding Federation in, um, in Italy was founded. And so I joined that federation and I started competing in Natural Bodybuilding. And I did that for until about 1994. So my background basically is powerlifting first, and then bodybuilding, natural bodybuilding. And then you know through this times I was supposed to become an electronic engineer, and uh, I gave up electronic engineer and I started you know studying uh, sports because I wanted to become a coach and open a gym. So this was the uh, my idea. So it changed completely my you know my horizons and my goals. And I got, you know, I went through some courses and so on and so forth. Those diplomas you see by there is the Italian Federation of Fitness. And at one point in 94, they hired me. They hired me to teach their certifications. They had some certification, which was, you know, they had, this is interesting. You don't have a bodybuilding certification in the U.S., I guess. No, we we don't. Bodybuilding instructor certification. And then we had fitness instructor certification, which came later. And then we started with personal training. So I got into this loop of becoming you know, a, a teacher and I quit competing because I was teaching during weekends because those courses were organized in several weekends. And so I just became an, an instructor and a coach. And I was lucky because I got, you know, I got the, uh, the chance to get in touch with several experts of the field at the time. Some of them were, you know, um, sports medicine doctors, some of them were physios, some of them were just coaches, some nutritionists, and some were former champions, you know, bodybuilding and powerlifting. So pretty much this is how I got my knowledge. And I worked for the Italian Federation of Fitness until 2012. Oh, wow. But we did have some restrictions. For instance, they would not allow us to do anything with any type of competition. Hmm. Neither as um, a presenter, nor as a student. But I started reading, um, there was one guy here in Italy called Mario, Mario Civaleri, great friend of mine. This guy, I think in um, early 2000, he went to the US and he got RKC certified, Russian Cannibal Challenge, Hmm. which was where, you know, Pavel started with before before, uh, creating, you know, First, and, made first. and he came back and he started, you know, writing articles about cannibals on, on some local magazines. That was pretty interesting. And so two things happened at the same time, three things. Actually, someone went to the U S came back with a book called the Russian cannibal challenge by Powell and he gave it to him. I saw this guy with a naked torso with a belt, you know, he wasn't a bodybuilder, a big guy. I didn't know who Pavel was at the time, right? I so, said, yeah, I'll read it someday and I put it on a drawer. But <laughs> so then I started reading those articles about cannibals by this guy called Mari who was a former power lifter, great coach, great mind, you know, and very smart. I thought, this should be interesting. So I started, you know, reading more about cannabis, forgetting that I had that book in the drawer. At the same time, the Italian um, release of, Beyond Bodybuilding by Pavel, was released in in Italian. And I bought that book, which at the time had a black cover, you didn't see any photos there, because it was Beyond Bodybuilding. So that was my job, so I got this book. And I didn't realize that it was the same guy of the Russian ketogel Challenge book I had there. Mm -hmm. So I started reading the book and I thought, this guy is saying the opposite of everything we have done and taught and learned In the past, you know, 15 years, you know what? But it makes sense. So I started trying some of those plans, and I saw results. I thought, I thought it was brilliant. And then at one point, I realized this is the same guy of the cannibals. So I started making some connections. And uh, not much later, I read that this Russian guy was coming to Florence to teach worship. So you know. Me and two friends of mine were registered for the worship, went there, and my expectation, you know, was similar to what you usually see as far as for certification courses or worships. You had one guy in front of a PowerPoint showing the slides, talking a little bit, and probably at the end, he's going to show you one or two exercises, probably with a PVC pipe or something like that, you know, mm. that week. And this guy kind of destroyed us for two days, <laughs> you know, we, He had us do, he taught us the swing, you know, the proper deadlift. He taught us, he gave some tips on the bench press, on the squat, you know. And so he covered pretty much kettlebell barbers and body weight. And I was amazed amazed about two things. First of all, it was hands-on. It was not only, you know, showing a PowerPoint. It was, you need to learn how, how to do it properly. And I thought I was a barbell expert. And I realized that there were so many things I had no idea about and no, so many details that I was so much impressed. And then I was impressed by the swing. And I recall that I thought this foreman is wonderful. He's great. And also I was impressed by the way he, you know, he run the workshop. Very, you know, military style. We had to pay attention, not get distracted. We got punishments. So we had to do, you know, push-ups on our fists if we didn't pay attention, stuff like that. I loved it and and I was probably this I think that was June 2009 so you know, I said I'm gonna do this RKC which I had no idea what the RKC was and so I went on internet found out there was a RKC certification in Hungary August in August so what, I, what did I do I ordered three emails I heard that um, I heard that, I read, you know, that I was supposed to use the 24 kilo bell. So I said, okay, I bought a 16, 24, and a 32. So I'm gonna train for this, I'm gonna go there. And um, I bought the three bells, and my thought was, you know what, I'm gonna quickly learn with the 16, then go to the 24, but I'm gonna train with the 32. So the 24 is gonna be a joke for me at the cert. The problem is that I had no technique and no tips. I learned how to do cannabis pretty much on YouTube University at the time. Yeah. And so my technique was poor and I managed to tore my bicep and left kind of one week before the service. any case.
0: <laughs> yeah. Could you real quick for those who don't know what the the original RKC challenge was?
1: So it was it's it pretty much uh, the earlier version of what is our SFG level one. So you become a kettlebell certified instructor. So right. they teach you how to use. Actually, they expect that you show up, that you're able to use kettlebell. They teach you how to teach them. Right. Yeah. And so I just learned how I could, you know, through Powell's books, through that book that I had in the drawer, through YouTube, but I had no, no one could coach me. Yeah. Right. So... <laughs> Of course, my technique was poor. I thought it was doing good, but I, I tore my and because I didn't know how to do it. Basically, you know, bodybuilding background, you have one problem there, which is with bodybuilding, you learn how to slow down your negatives. Mm-hmm. And when you work with ballistics, like the swing, the clean, the snatch, something you don't want to do is slow down the negative. So yeah. pretty much my cleans were curls. <laughs> and when you throw a 32 bell if you don't know how to drop it properly, it can really pull you. Yeah. So I went there with this touring my bicep. I drove there with two friends and we showed up there and I was impressed. It was a former, former, uh, I think, Russian military base when Russian was, you know, when Hungary was under Russia at Soviet mm. Union, so, turned into a police school and it was really minimalist. Know there was nothing, no sheets on the bed, no, you know, breakfast, and and the meals were really minimalist. There was nothing around, it was in the middle of nowhere. And I saw the people, you know, from different countries. There were people from Korea, there were people from all over Europe, there were people from everywhere. And everyone was strong, tattoos, scars, you know. Mm -hmm. We got there, I thought, oh, those guys are gonna kill us before (laughs) (laughs) money. So I I did this, certainly was one of the toughest experience I ever had. And also my bicep was aching. And at the time, I know for listeners, there, we do have some tests that you need to pass to become a strong first instructor. And I, right now in our case, you have some tests. Some are technique tests, but you have to do, perform all of them with you know double kettlebells, Double 24 is for um, gentlemen and double 16 is for ladies and um but also one of the uh, tests is called the snatch test so you have to snatch uh 24 kilobel for 100 times 100 reps within five minutes which is yeah it sucks i've done (laughs) it it sucks and i couldn't do it with my left at the time the test was different it was as many reps as is your body weight. I was 92 kilos, so in my case it was 92 snatches instead of 100. But you wow. only had you could you could set the bell down only once, uh, or switch your hands only once. So it was tough. Yeah. And um, so and the snatch test was the very first thing you would do at the beginning of the search, not like now, which is at the end. So I showed up there, and uh, they knew. I told Pavel and the other instructors about my bicep, and they Pavel did not allow me to do the snatch test. He said, he said, you know, you're, you're an athlete. I'm sure you did stupid things in your life. I'm not going to allow you to do another stupid thing. Yeah. If you get hurt, you will not enjoy your cert. So you're going to do the entire cert. You will be tested Sunday morning at 6.50 a.m. before breakfast.
2: <laughs>
1: okay. And seriously, since I've seen everyone else doing it, I was so frustrated. I wanted to go home. You know yeah. I said? I can't, you know, I have to do it. In any case, that was a good decision. So I went through the cert. It was a killer. You know, August in Hungary is so humid, so hot. We were on a field or partially under a gazebo, a tent. It was really hot, humid. And uh, on Sunday, I had to do my snatch test. And that was my injury, I think, was, was what allowed me to be seen. Mm-hmm. Because I did my snatch with one arm. With <laughs> my left. And at the time, Jeff Newport, who is a former master of Strongfers, but he was a, a senior at the time of the Arkansas Systems, uh, I think he noticed that, you know, I did it with one arm, which was pretty tough to do. So they remembered about me. Mm-hmm. And so that's how it started. And then I started taking everything that, you know, the system would do every, every workshop, every events that where Pavel was teaching, I would register and bring some Italians there. So we traveled mm-hmm. to the here and there. And so I got to see Paolo oh, more and more and more. And we started, you know, making friends also outside of the system because we have the same music tastes. And, and so we, we ended up, you know, becoming friends and having some interactions about trainings and so on. And then the story was that I... I ended up bringing the RKC certification to Italy. So we organized the first one in Italy, and then we did that for a few years. And then when uh, Pavel left the RKC, I followed Pavel. Most of us did. And he found a strong first. And so I was, at the time, a team leader for them, became senior and then master. And for some reason, I still don't know how I became the uh, the, CEO of the company. I don't know how it happened. But it (laughs) happened somehow. Um, and I think that's due to, it's, you know, my background, I did have gyms. I did run, you know, the RKC in Italy. i worked for the of Fitness for several years, so I do have experience also in management, but mostly I'm a trainer. But the way Strong First is, it is not about being a businessman. Uh, you've been in touch with Strong First, and you know that we are, basically, a school. We don't allow our instructors and our leadership to call their students clients or customers. We call them students. We, as part, as leadership and instructors, we call ourselves students. And the idea is that, you know, uh, our, we think the strength of a greater purpose and our goal is, you know, practice promote, and promote strength and help everyone becoming stronger, basically making the world a stronger place. So it's, it's not a regular business. You know, when I want you to work, one of the reasons why I joined, you know, the RTC and Strong and and Lefty Talent and Professional Fitness, I have a great relationship with them. But it's a mainstream, you know, school and it's a fitness school and it's, um, it's a business. It's about, you know, recruiting students, making money and um, got lots of friends there, good relationship but I did not recognize myself in that model. Uh, I really like to teach. I like to see people having results. And um, so what I think, you know, is that in when you're a school, your main focus is the student and is, you know, sharing the knowledge and growing together. So in my view, business has to be there because, you know, Strongforce allows me to feed my family. And- Many families, but it's business is not the main goal. Business is a side effect. The main yeah. goal is doing a good job. Business is a side effect of doing the right thing in a proper manner, and business will come. Yeah, and this is one of the reasons why at this time, you know, during the COVID situation, I try to do as as much charity stuff and as much free events as I can because we need to support. You know, we exist. Because of our instructors, because of our students, because of our leadership. And we got this is why we're there. And then now it's time to give back. It's time to be there. It's not, you know, relationship can be either in one direction or two directions. You take or you take and give. Yeah. And if you want to grow together, it has to be, you know, same ratio <laughs> take and give. Uh, of course, they pay for our events, they pay us. This is how we live but we need to deliver something that has the same value. And so this is what we basically do. So we're kind of a very particular organization. Yeah. You know? uh, we're kind of different. And as you have seen, since you've been with us, yeah. for us, you know, our community is very important. I'll give you one example. In 2010, uh, so I was RKC certified about one year I was going to take a vacation a fly and drive in the US so a friend of mine and I decided to you know uh, book a flight to San Francisco and rent a car and we had a flight going back from Los Angeles three weeks later so we decided just to drive all around you know mm-hmm. to California Nevada we did part of Arizona we did something in Utah and so on and um, so I sent an email to and I said, Listen, I, since I'm doing this itinerary in the US, I would like, can you suggest me some gyms and places where I can stop and train so I can train when I'm traveling? They said, You know what? You just need to look at the instructor directory and you just show up at their place. They will treat you as you would treat them. Yeah. Now be- yes. uh, I thought, Yeah, of course. And yeah. yeah, it was true. I mean, it's incredible how you know. Sometimes I I go to I've been traveling for StrongFirst worldwide. I, I go to Costa Rica. I go to Brazil. I go to Mexico. I come to the US. I go to Canada. I go to Korea. Yeah. Australia. Everywhere it's like being home, and it's incredible because I don't know if you know how we set our certs. You know, we have a leader, the master who leads the cert. We have several team leaders that lead teams and several assistants. And assistants, you know, they just get recertified, but they are not paid to assist. But we always have so many people that apply to assist to an event, just because we want to care about people there and help them, and they yeah. want to be there. They get, they learn, they improve their skills, they sharpen the blade, but at the same time, you know, they, they support. And I'm amazed because sometimes I see people from the US coming to assist in Korea, their own diet or here in Italy or in France or in Costa Rica and people from Korea coming to Chicago and so on, which is incredible.
0: Yeah. And I, and I think, cause I've got to train with you twice and be in two of your, you know, classes that you did with, um, Alberto, um, and, and, um, It's, you know, there were some of the best classes that I learned, um, you know, and like you, uh, you helped me like, you know I'd always learned how to lift in in general basics, but I know with you, um, especially when you were in LA, that's what really, you gave me much better basics that now, I mean, then I started competing in powerlifting. Um, And I remember with you, I did my first 145 kilo deadlift with you. And, and now I'm, you know, now I started competing and now, you know, I'm about 240 deadlift right now, which is cool. So that's a, a nice, you know, from working with you and Alberto to now is that, and um, I think actually, and I've told a lot of other powerlifters that they should learn, look into strong first because strong first makes coaches. Like you said, you learn how to coach. Um, and there's you know, me and Amber have talked because she is a coach and a competitive powerlifter and a very good one at that. Um, and we talk about most, you know, Um, powerlifters and athletes don't know how to coach well you know they're good competitors but they don't know how to coach there is a
1: huge difference between being a skilled athlete and a good coach yeah for instance i think i became a good coach because i was i wasn't a good athlete
0: yeah Uh, same
1: (laughs) you know here's the point gifted athletes unless they really want to become coaches they don't need to figure out how to do the lift at its best because it comes natural to them. Mm -hmm. So I have been to seminars with several champions and I was amazed about, you know, looking at their technique, but they were not able to explain what they were doing. So it was about looking at them and try to reverse engineer what they were doing and try to understand things that they didn't know because they, it would, it would come so natural to them. While for yep. non-gifted not uh, lifters, you have to really break it up, and every little detail can give you a great improvement. But you have to figure it out. Yeah. And when you coach, one of the greatest, you know, uh, qualities of a good coach can be summarized in one one word, which is care. The point is that you need to care about your student. You're one problem with many coaches is that they get upset if, if a student becomes better than they do, than they are. Yeah. You know, which is not not what a coach should be. I mean, this, how much successful is your student? Even if your student becomes stronger than you are, yeah. probably it's because of you. And so your focus should not be showing what you know to, what you're able to do. Is making sure that the student understands how to improve, you know, his skill. And by the way, Alberto, he is he, Alberto, he has the same uh, type of mentality that we have. And yeah. this school has very principles in common with what we do. In fact, we're we have a great relationship. We're friends, yeah, very good. We're brothers. We spoke together two days ago and we. Changed some text today, and also, you know, Alberto, myself, and Pablo, uh, we're all friends. We sometimes we meet in LA, spend some time together, yeah. And, um, in fact, we, we met in Burbank. Now I remember, yeah, yeah. yep. And, you know, you know, the devil is not the details, yeah. it's about the idea is look at the way you lift, or a very skilled athlete, and strong athlete lifts, and. Yep. Analyze the movement and figure out whatever this athlete is doing, and translate it into something that anyone can understand. You know, yeah. make it foolproof. But again, you need to care. You need to care about your students. That's the way. That's what you do it. And yeah, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, and I think,
0: um, and it is so. I mean, for I'm just going. For those, I don't think even I've told Amber. So my one of my first coaches was Alberto Alberto Galazzi, who now owns his own. He originally he was with the company called TacFit, and now he has his own TAD uh, 13 or TAD uh, 013. And he is an amazing coach, and he introduced me to you. Um, and I knew an up strong first, but he really, you know, he said, you know, if you want to get stronger, you know, that's the great you know place to learn and. I think Strong First is one of the few places, um, along with Alberto, where you guys, again, make coaches. Um, and you're the only place that I know of, you know, company or a person can go learn. Not, I mean, you guys have a kettlebell certification, a bodyweight certification, a barbell certification, and a programming certification. The So, like, in, in which the – your Plan Strong, the programming certification, I've seen – I've got to see that manual from another Strong First certification, and it's like, it's all kind of, It's it's just, if you like programming, it's the most, like, mind-blowing thing. It's really fun.
1: Yeah, it's really, you know, it's different from what we're used to seeing in the West. Yeah. You know, I, I learned that from Pavel. He's the one who kind of uh, reverse engineered the Soviet weightlifting system, and it works incredibly well uh and in fact we we we're, we're turning that into an online event now due to the covid thing so we have oh, cool. june going up and um we're also experimenting something new in august we're launching Build strong which is programming for you know applying the plantron principles to hypertrophy training that's also interesting so we're, oh. we're working on that that's going to be something new but you know going back to uh, to Alberto, this is one other example. You see, yeah. uh, if you do the right thing and if you care about your students, you don't fear competition. Yeah. I mean, Alberto and I are two organizations. You know, we people from the outside might see us as competitors and we're brothers. And yeah. he promotes us so hard and we promote him so hard because we know that the two systems complement each other. And we know that I have... And personally, I have no fear if someone goes somewhere else to learn somewhere else. Yeah. I'd like them to go to learn from the right sources, but it's good to hit one thing I learned. When I, when I teach certs, and I've been, you know I've been teaching certs since 1994. That's a lot, many years. Yeah. Every time it's a learning experience for me, for me. Uh, from my colleagues, you know, masters, senior team leaders, I learn stuff I don't know every single time. But in- incredibly, I learn from students. Sometimes by looking at the way they perform, they might have something I never thought about before. Yeah. So it, I might just see something and I notice something, which is very interesting. But sometimes they know something I don't know. We don't have the copyrighted knowledge. And this yeah. is why I have to say that we're all students. And so, you know, and I attended pretty much everything I could attend in every type of system and everywhere, whether I agreed or not with the system, I learned something. There's always yeah. something to learn. And this you, always is my, you know. Or you learn what not to do sometimes. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. sometimes you learn what not to do or, but trust me, in every single event I have been, There was at least one thing I didn't know. And, you know, when you start your journey as a student, at the beginning, everything is new. Uh, When you experienced, you attend three-day event. if you get two new things you didn't know in three days, you should be super satisfied. It's worth the investment, you know. It's worth the investment.
2: And it also
0: helps you realize, because, like, we – like for, again, using myself as an example, I, we, we first met in Milan when I, when I was at, I was at Alberto's, the, the charity, the fundraising that he did for yes. the earthquake. And I got to go there and that's when I first um, got to learn from you and, you know, be with everybody was in Milan, which was really fun. And then when you came to Burbank and you did your lifting workshop and it was out of the, between those two events and also working with Alberto, I realized the like, same thing, how far I had to go. And, you know, Alberto encouraged me to, to chase getting stronger and to learn. And me being, I'm a very you know, tall, lanky person. And so I wanted to get stronger. And then I know that put me on learning to lift and then wanted me to compete because I wanted to get more knowledge and have that, that experience. So, and it was the same thing. Every time I, I learned how far I had to go and then just how much more there is to learn. And that brought me now even to now and I love the sport and I love doing it. And obviously I made a show on it and I've got to meet, you know, Amber and so all these other people all from just this, this, you know, event or these events that happened. So the part of, so really part, you and Alberto, are one of the reasons I even have, am doing competing and even have a show because of, you know, my experience with you guys. So.
1: This is, this is what I call results. You know, sometimes, you know, it's, easy to have strong athletes they're already strong and just enjoy the results and and and, and, you know be rewarded for it but results sometimes are changing someone's life or someone's point of view or Mm -hmm. having them experiment something new and get rewarded i mean you decided to compete and i think this is something you love to do i have one uh one so this is interesting there is my uh uh, I got a second wife now. I, was, I had a first wife. I mm-hmm. got married first in 1996. And uh, so my first wife, my ex-wife, she's 51 now. And um, she was she's a pharmacist, which means that she works behind you know, the desk all the time. And she's standing and probably staying curved. So. And all she did for sports was, you know, those group classes like aerobics and all that stuff. Uh, that's mm-hmm. it. She did a little bit of horse riding, but nothing nothing special. And I tried, you know, we had, we had a very good relationship since we divorced still. And uh, I tried several times to get her into calibers, and she never wanted to try. Because, you know, those black iron cast things, you know, might might scare things. Now, I have to imagine that she's tall, I, in centimeters, 155. I don't know what that is in, in fit, but she's short. Oh. And she's like 46 kilos. Yeah. Uh, okay. So basically she weighs less than a beast than a 48 kilo kettlebell, right? Yeah. <laughs> and um, I have not seen her for a couple of years. Then she showed up, she said, you know, I, I need to start moving. Because I'm realizing my like, she's fine stuck. I mean, pain I can't move. And I got her to try some kettlebells, you know. They need a little bit of mobility, then the arm bar and stuff like that. And she started enjoying it. And then one, like within a year, she took the s level one. And then she wanted to get ready for level two, but I said, you need to get some, your strength level levels up. So let's enter the barbell. And um, so we started doing some barbell training. She fell in love with the barbell. Yeah. But, you know, 50 years old, almost 50. End of the story, uh, she got the national record in powerlifting for deadlift for you know the uh, her category the master two so she then lifted 145 kilos at 46.2 kilo body weight that's awesome at 51 years old yeah and so for me <laughs> this is the result yeah you know this is the result yeah. uh, sometimes you need to you know be able to to show the way and this is this is the best thing i could do uh for her and now she's, of course, she's only too barbell and powerlifting and so on and so forth. Yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, it was the same. I started, you know, with the body weight and, kettle- and, and what not with Alberto and then the kettlebell and then, you know. I you know, think get, mean, getting getting stronger is addictive.
1: Because, yes. you know,
0: it, it is. Because it, it, uh, it transpires not just to physically, but mentally, emotionally. Mentally. Like, yes,
1: yeah. and, yeah. you know, people who several, many people are afraid of barbell. There are two things about barbell which are interesting. One is that many people are scared of the barbell because they identify barbell with hypertrophy training, in bodybuilding, you know. This is problem number one, especially ladies. Problem number oh, two. yeah.
3: Women still think it's going to make them huge. <laughs> and, like, as a female, I, I, I understand that. But I also, it's like we're in 2020 now. <laughs> Everything's out there showing you that you're not going to look like a man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: If I could, let me see if I have this. Yeah, I just got it because I got a sheet. What's that mean? This is my phone, <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> so, and let me see if you can see her somewhere. And here she is. Oh, she is oh yeah, she's, she's tiny, so little, small, oh, small. Yeah. And so, the, inter- the other interesting thing about a barbell is that, you know, so scares someone, but everyone takes it for granted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. mean that, you know, you, who cannot use a barbell? It's in every gym. Everyone has used in high school a barbell at least one, once. So, everybody thinks they know how to deadlift. Everybody thinks they, they know how to do a bench press, and a barbell is taken for granted. This does not happen with a kettlebell, for instance. Cannibals are more scary, you know, because dry ballistics. So when someone, when you want to coach someone on cannibals, they are more prone to listen to you, to details, because cannibals they understand, they need a the skill. They need to learn a skill. Barbell is something that everybody can do. It's it's you know, it's steady, it stays there. And uh, it is not so. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I I recall I thought I knew everything about barbell. I was teaching barbell, you know. Until I got that first seminar with Pablo, and then I did another seminar with Jeff O'Connor a few years ago in the U.S. And I, after my seminar with Pablo, I thought I don't know anything about marble. Bar- I didn't know anything. Now I know about marbles. I did this other seminar in San Jose with Jeff O'Connor, and I said, Oh no, I didn't know anything about Marvel Now I know about marble. Yeah. Then I, yeah. I had some coaching with Mark Rifkin, one of my masters, a former Powell teacher. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And know, Mark, every know, time.
1: I thought I knew about barbers before, and I realized I knew nothing about barbers right after. Yeah. And every year I look at my notes from the service, i realize, look at how many notes I'm taking, how many new things I'm learning. So many little details that make the difference. For two things, performance, but also safety. One thing that people don't understand is that safety is not opposed to performance, it's part of performance. Mm-hmm. If you waste, if you spend six months, you know, training for a meet and then you get hurt, you wasted six months and you lost all your performance. So planning, you know, programming properly, training and learning the perfect skill it's not only about getting stronger. It's about staying injury free and the two things go together because if you get injured, guess what? You don't get stronger. And this is something that most people are missing, you know that. So this is why details matter so much. And the big thing is, I like a lot to talk about practice versus workout, you know. Yeah. Which means that you cannot train a skill that you do not own. So if your deadlift is not Almost perfect. You shouldn't train it. You should practice it until it becomes perfect. Then you may add weight, then you may train it. And too many people try to train and go heavy without this practice. And this is typical in you know, especially in in gyms, you know, regular gyms, bodybuilding, fitness, and so on. But also in powerlifting, many people want to go heavy too early. Yeah. And the way you see here in weightlifting schools here. People, you know, use empty bars and PVC pipes for six months or a year before they put some weight on. For one reason, it's a ballistic. You cannot make a mistake, otherwise you get hurt. So you got to internalize and own the movement, the perfect, prove the perfect movement first. Then you get, then you start loading the bar. And uh, with barbells and with, you know, with, with strength training, practice is, is the essential essential key component because you need to own the movement in a manner in which you can practice the perfect movement without thinking. And here's here's one example, one thing that I see all the time. You take any person, any person that shows up to the gym and you ask them, you you give them a big guy, uh, what is it? A hundred pounds, guy. The two hundred pounds, guy. Yeah. so pretty much my size. So I'm not big. Not for the U.S. I'm big for here, for being mentally. Italy. We're yeah. all small. I was, I was gonna say. So like, I'm like, two hundred pounds. I'm, but it's so we're about Yeah, yeah I mean, You saw me live. I'm a short guy. I'm not a big yeah. guy. I'm just. I just. I'm just like a cube. Uh, for yeah. example, for vertical. I'm just the same. Yeah. So you got a two hundred kilo guy, right? And you load, uh, let's say, um, I don't know, twenty five pounds per side. Yeah. So which is a lightweight, right? You're telling, okay, show me a set of deadlifts. They would just go to the bar and lift it without thinking. And the form won't be proper, even if they know how to the deadlift. Then you ask them, What is your warm rep max? Well, I don't know. Uh, 440 pounds, let's say. And you put four hundred and forty pounds, okay, lift it now. They will spend five minutes setting up, you know, sometimes be <laughs> very careful and everything. Why? Because it's heavy. And here's the mistake. They should do the opposite. They should spend a lot of time in setting up the bar and making a perfect lift with light weights. So many times, so often, for so many reps, so that they learn the perfect movement, the perfect skill, so that when it's heavy, they know exactly what to do. It's automated. It's dialed in. They don't have to think anymore. They just go there and lift. I have seen, I'm also a WPF, the English for that. Um, WDFPF, which is World Drug-Free drug Powerlifting Federation Judge. It's okay. one of the main federations for And so we have the FIPL, which is uh, related to IPF, and this is uh-huh. drug-free. And so I'm a judge there, and I've been judging several times, and I see so many missed attempts, Just because people spend too much time thinking so they can't psych, you know, and before they make their attempts. Here's the point. I love, I love, you know, they on the bar, deadlift, they move the bar back and forth. They spend time. The more time you spend out there, the less chance that you have to lift the bar. Yeah. And I love to see, I love to see in training at the gym, people spending time in finding the perfect setup. Because this is how you learn it. Mm-hmm. And, but once you learned it, when it's time to go heavy, you should already know how to do it and just get there and do it properly, perfectly. Yep. This is, this is what, why, what you practice for, you know? And one other example. Let's say that uh, you, you have a squat, right? And uh, let's say you got 50% of your one max or even 60, 70%. Mm-hmm. If by mistake, you know, your training partner when they load the bar for you, they put like let's say uh five extra pounds on one side. Yeah. <laughs> and if it's light, 60%, 70%, you still make the lift. Yeah. You make it. You you realize there's something going wrong, but you make the lift. But if you get your one rep max, and after you set up, before you start, you know, going down in a hole, if a fly lands on one (laughs) side you will fail if you're lucky. Yeah. So I'm super picky in the fact that you need a perfect setup because when it's a one max, you have two options or your PR. Everything is perfect, option one. You don't make the lift if you're lucky, option two. If you're not lucky you get hurt. Yeah. And so this is, you know, one of the main principles. Practice, 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 learn and make it automatic. Yep. it must
0: become part of you yeah uh, one of, one of the things i remember that you gave me when you were doing your lifting seminar when we were it was for, it was for everything was uh, during when you say you know during your practice and you said the same thing between practice and training but like during your practice you should be sweating by your setup because you're so much yeah. tension building tension getting the right mm-hmm. spot getting into that position like by the time you reach the bar
1: for your deadlift you should be oh yeah. no but you should be one i just the, the very way same way thing to my clients yeah, yeah in the deadlifts you know they say the harder the way down the easier the way up Yeah. Mm-hmm. because because what is really specific about deadlift that makes it so hard because technique wise is the easiest lift it's easier than a squat it's easier than a bench press mm-hmm. for for technique yeah. but you have one big problem there you need to build some feed-forward tension. Yeah, that makes sense? Because if you do a bench press, as you come down, all your muscles, all the elastic component of your muscles and connective tissue, they stretch. You're fully, you know, under load. And so all you have to do is push because you already have tension. You have accumulated maximum tension on the way down. Same applies to the squat. But when you do the deadlift, you need to be able to generate tension from zero. Think about this. If let's say, I'm going to say 100 to make it easy. If the bar is 100 and you apply 100 of, I'm not saying pounds or kilos, I'm saying 100. 100 of tension, the bar doesn't move. 100 is the exact amount of tension needed to keep the bar where it is. Uh, So, if you generate 110 of tension, the bar will move very slowly. If you apply 200 of tension, the bar will just explode right from the ground. Mm-hmm. And what is really difficult? So it's basically what they call starting strength. Yeah. So if if you then lift 600 pounds, you're stronger than that. Yeah. are really much much more than 600 pounds of tension to have the bar start moving, and as the bar starts moving, it becomes easier. At the very beginning, you have to keep the tension, and then gradually, you know, it's like pushing a heavy car. You have a heavy car, it doesn't work, you have to push it. Yeah. Make it, allow making the car start moving is a harder thing to do. When it's moving, keeping it in movement is easier. Say apply for the deadlift. And if you're not really skilled, this is a great skill people panic and shut the, the brain shuts off. You see two scenarios when people deadlift. Uh, either they start pulling and after a half of a second, just give it up, they leave it. Yeah. Or their butt shoots up right away, right? Yeah. And then the bar goes forward. And this is for two reasons. One, they feel it's heavy and they just give up. They panic. Two, they feel it's heavy just try to find a way around it and have the impression of lifting the bar while the bar is not moving. They're moving their butt, and it's yeah. not either. And the only solution is stay with the weight, keep the proper position, and keep pushing, which is not easy, because when you are under tension, you get a um, different perception of time. Yeah. I don't know if you ever <laughs> you've filmed yourself. I'm thinking about a kettlebell press because it gives you an air, right? You're, no. you're grinding, and then when you complete the rep over oh, there, you say, oh my God, I, I did a grind. It was like 15 seconds from the sticking point. You watch the video, and it's. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it saved that half hour. Right? Time
3: definitely does slow down. That is so true. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, several times, you know, I, I get people who just they release the bar and say, you didn't even try. I did try. I stayed there for a long time. I showed them the video. No, you didn't. Yeah, it was you five second a video. <laughs> a but and again, think about pushing a heavy car. Let's say you got a hover. It doesn't. The engine doesn't run anymore. You have to push it. Does the car move as you start to push, or is there a delay since the time you start to push before and the car starts moving? There is a delay. People are not patient enough. They panic to stay there. And keep pushing until gradually they build up the tension and the bar gradually starts moving, you know. Yeah. And that's that's one of the greatest, you know, challenges in deadlift.
2: Yeah.
0: And I, I think especially like for Amber and I both competitively, we you know we'll pull sumo in competition. And that's like the biggest thing with sumo is built is taking that slack out and really and you know it's sumo's even slower off the floor than you know oh. conventional. So it's like building it that tension. And just getting that position into this, letting it build and wind up, and being patient enough
3: in position. Steffi Cohen that. is actually a really good example of that. She is very slow off the floor, and it looks like she's she's never going to move that weight. But she's building that tension, and then it comes up. So yeah, she's a great example
1: of that. You guys <laughs> pulled sumo. I just my my right hip is screwed up. Can doesn't allow me to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, I, I mean, it, it,
0: it definitely took a while, but I mean, I'm, you know, you know, that, you know, I, I will go between training blocks of conventional and sumo, you know, I will go between the two pretty, pretty yeah, I well. I wish,
1: you know, I could do sumo, but uh, I have uh, my, my right hip. I don't want to test what happens there, yeah. but I have, uh, it doesn't move and it's so painful. There's some impingement somewhere. And I guess it's, you know, 50 years of heavy lifting, probably, you know, fit not 50 yeah. Yeah, Uh, At least 37 of heavy lifting that didn't help. And again, uh, you guys are lucky because now you do find so many resources on Mm -hmm. how to train properly. While at the time we have to figure it out ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And those sources, you know. Now there is the opposite problem. You have too much information and it's so hard to understand what information is good and what is not that good because there's so much opinions out there you know and so yeah. much information so many ideas and pretty much and this is one of the problems that most of the people learn through youtube university yeah uh, or instagram yeah. university now and so they just see something and it's not that easy and everyone yeah. can go there and teach you know yeah. at the times you would follow some let's say leaders but still you know, it wasn't that easy to to get a chance because you couldn't read. You could only find books or magazines which were kind of naked yeah. and there was no internet. And also, you know, live seminars didn't happen that often. And right now, well right now, until a couple of months ago, traveling was not a big deal anymore. Yeah. I mean, uh, flying to the US cost me this. This year just as much as fifteen years ago in terms of, you know, Euros, zero, whatever we had. Yeah. But you know, it's easier. I mean yeah. it's mm-hmm. gonna afford much more. I wonder what's gonna happen after this. Because I believe you know air companies will not be able to pack so many people in one flight.
3: Yeah. So I, I would do, just like to get there. I'm 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 over this.
1: I'm, yeah. <laughs> I fear that flights are gonna are gonna cost more. You know, and we're lucky that we do have a you know, chance to to work online, which yeah. didn't yeah. have before. Yeah. And you know, it's been growing. I mean, ten years ago in two thousand and ten, I had a cell phone. Yeah. It's, it's SMS, right? Short yeah. messages. So it's not it's it's less than ten years since we have all this technology. Imagine if we had the situation with the COVID 10 years ago.
2: Yeah, it'd be or ten years ago. Yeah. So right was. now
1: we can still access to very good resources, even though yeah. we can go there live. Yeah. But honestly, there's nothing like especially hands-on, there's nothing like a live event. Mm-hmm. You can yeah. have a lecture online, an interactive webinar, but you know what you can do live with it with, with life coaching with a person is something that can be replied all night, at least for now yeah so you start having 3d autograms to work with
0: yeah but until yeah, until then and it's you know and i am like amber said yeah, i'm one way we're all ready for it to be over because i always say I like workshops and seminars i feel are like time chambers like you in like two days you can learn and make progress of what you would do on your own in like eight weeks because yes. it's just so distilled down um you know especially like with your guys' seminars that are so structured and you have everything so lined up and they all kind of feed into each other you know which is a lot of fun um yeah
1: by the way sorry i'm supposed to be the one who talks and answer questions but i do have one for you how are you guys doing with a gym over over there and uh is it closed is it open are you working online what are you guys
3: Everything yeah. is closed up here in Canada. We've been shut down since the middle of March.
0: Yeah. And then here in California also since March 17th was the official. So yeah, yeah. gyms are closed. Um, before everything closed, like, I mean, I have my own barbell, but when all the gyms closed, I, you know, I got squat rack and then I actually um, reached out to some gyms and asked them if I could rent some of their weights until this was yeah. all over. So I just, you know, I, you know, I paid them like 45 cents per pound for the, for all the weights. And then I get to, so I get to use them. And then when they reopen, I'll give them back. So I got to, in my garage, I have a, you know, some mats and squat rack and. That's
3: great. That's great. I have access to a home gym that a friend has. So my training hasn't stopped or changed. Thankfully, I'm very grateful for that. But yeah, it's, everything is shut down. Yeah. Everything
1: you can still move from home you can still get out of home right
3: yes. yes uh we're not we're not in like complete lockdown, obviously social distancing is um yeah they're they're pretty pretty tough on that um but i <laughs> I literally just go from home to my friends and i actually i I isolated with them for a month, so we've we've been the only people around each other
1: you know I put my first foot out of home. This week, after six weeks of never going out. Yeah. So you have to That's fill insane. some work. And you can go out only for essential shopping and stuff like that. And you're yeah. very restricted, limited within your, your village. Not yeah. Even, yeah. So, and um, and I only have a set of kettles up to 40 and a total bar. Yeah. So I had to go, you know, and it's interesting. I can't wait to have it. I ordered barbell power racks, and everything to set my own gym here. Yeah. But they shut down before I could have it. So yeah. I had to get it in May. But it's yeah. interesting because you know after I mean uh, I always use cannabis, but my main work was with barbells, right? Lately, so I had to go back to cannabis and uh, well, kept doing swings and gets all the time. Yeah. But how could I figure out? You know, I squat quite a bit. I mean, quite heavy. Yeah. So I had to do pistols. Yeah. And I did this plan, I, fed, I tested this this week and I was amazed because I haven't been doing pistol for years. Mm-hmm. And I started back again when I started the plan. I was doing my ladders with 24 kilos. So all I had was 40, so let's see how many reps I can out after these eight weeks plan. And I did five reps, uh, five easy reps per side with a 40 kilo amount of pistols. Nice. That was good, very good improvement. So I I'm just wonder, I can't wait to go under a barbell, see what I can lift. Yeah. It might improve, you know. I've been doing what I'm doing for the 40 all the time. I've been doing this those pistols, and I, I saw that my my legs have increased in size, so I just can't wait to get under a bar. Yeah. So I'm jealous, two things. I'm jealous that you can pull some more, and I'm jealous <laughs> that you guys have a barbell. You can trade with a barbell.
0: Yeah, no, it's, know, we're very, I mean, we definitely, I definitely scrambled, like I said, I mean, I already had a bar, um, but I definitely needed more weights, and I definitely scrambled to get it, and actually the same thing happened, I ordered my power rack before the lockdown hit, hoping that it would ship, and then literally the next day, they yeah. put down non essential so I ordered it March 16th, lockdown happened March 17th. Mar- and March 16th, they put non essential So I finally got the rack um, this past, this last Wednesday, or this, this Wednesday of past, this week, when I ordered it, March 16th. <laughs> so, um, but I just did, I mean, in the meantime, I did Zercher squats and floor press and and you know that looked like normal so that was yeah, that
1: time having having the floor plus three skill was good to have it
2: right
0: it, it was That's exactly what it was it was right back because that that was that went right back to that in the searcher spots
1: and in fact yeah. you know like i uh, think uh we uh filmed the barbell uh online course with strong first uh some time ago in, in irvine by the way in, in um yeah, California, and uh, at the end we didn't include everything. We included, you know, some other lifts. We did not include the floor press, and and since you know there's lockdown, we just we had that module. We just added it. Yeah, uh, no extra charge. We did all the everyone who has the who has purchased the only course, they're getting this extra module because the floor press right now, if you don't have a power rack, floor you press know, and the Zercher squat are. Oh, what you got
0: to do? Yeah. yeah. And I will say, so bench is one of my worst, because I mean, this my long arm, you know, bench is the hardest thing. And also it's the thing that lift I have the least experience with. So building a bench has been um, the most challenging. My best bench in competition is 264 pounds, which is not great. Um, but since the, then the lockdown, before I got the rack, all I could do is floor press. So I did the floor press from the close grip You know, so have more range of motion, obviously. And then just really focused on the reps of really about five to eight reps, you know, on the sets. And I finally got, you know, got the bench over this past week. And, you know, so it's like I've had, you know, what, a month or a little over a month of just really floor press and volume. So I really wanted to test and I was able to get to uh, get a nice small grinder of 275. So, I mean, that's a good, you know, 11 pound, you know max for me off of just just, just cl- that, cl- that close grip and building the volume
1: and you know there's also another interesting thing about the uh, about the floor press that people don't think about is that pretty much if you think of the angles you start the lift from your sticking point yeah so it gets you stronger in the sticking point but also another thing applies you start from as you go down you get no more tension. It's like the deadlift. Yeah. You need much more starting strength to accelerate the bar from there. So it does have a lot of benefits and carry over on on the uh, on the bench press. I would say that it has similar benefits to the board press if you think about
0: it. Yeah, I could see. You able, yeah, or a spoto very similar to a spoto also. It kind of has the like a, a hybrid of spoto benefit and board press benefit. Yeah.
1: So, uh, yeah. you know, it's uh, it, it's a very good way to train when you're home. And by the way, Alberto's big fan of, of the foot of or the floor press.
0: Yeah. No, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, where I first learned it was he showed me, you know, um, I mean, I mean, that's really what happened is, you know, he showed, he taught me how to lift because, I mean, I was, I mean, I, I know it was a while ago for you, but at that time, I weighed maybe uh, 165 pounds, you know, and he's like, he's like, he's like, bro, you need to get stronger. He's like, you're, you're six foot, 165 pounds. Like, you need to, you need to bring it up. So he, he taught yeah. me. And then he was like, you know, when you're in Milan, you need to go to Fabio's class. And then in LA, you need to come to the lifting class. That, that, that,
1: yeah. That
0: time in Milan, we
1: did cannibals, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, it was, it was.
1: was. Marco and Valentina, we did a little bit of uh, push press and jerk yeah. and stuff. Like that. Yeah, exactly. Then, yeah, we did only cannibals that day. yeah we did that little balloon the dome right yeah exactly and had a great great time over there. yeah
0: that was it was a really fun it was a really fun uh, amber it was a whole day of like it was like a charity event so like he and his crew came they did a seminar and then they had other people from around italy came and they all taught their stuff and everyone came and it went to the earthquake the earthquake that happened a few years ago it all went to that but it was like this whole day of just clinics from everywhere people all around like europe and italy like it was yeah.
1: cool. asked me, "Do you want to come here for trade?" Yes, I'm in. Mean, let's do it. Yeah, you know, um, I can't say no to him. But I love working with yeah. He, really
2: really a, like him Yeah,
1: he's a he's a good. I honestly,
0: like, I, like I said, between you two, like, it's I, I'm I'm now where I'm at because of,
1: of you both. Um, you know, Abatto is a man of integrity, a man of honor. You know, he, he is one hundred percent. And uh, we just did, by the way, a live webinar. With, it was um, for free. We gave it for all strong first, Italian strong first instructor because it was an Italian, and um, all TAD, 013 yeah. instructors, and sustainable bodybuilding, still a federation here in Italy, instructors. So the three of us, it was Alberto, myself, and this guy, Ricardo, from sustainable bodybuilding, we did uh, on a Friday night, we did probably a four hour webinar, and we did it totally free because we had, hey guys, you need, we need, you know to help you somehow. So we did this webinar. It was so great because we uh, the first ones, the bodybuilding guy spoke about nutrition and the lockdown. You know, you use you move less, so you don't need to uh yeah. to adjust your the way you eat. And I talked, I spoke about you know strength training home, how yeah. to deal with that. And Alberto uh, spoke about how to do uh, body weight strength training and body weight conditioning home. And yeah yeah i mean and in, in, i mean that's how i mean my
0: flexibility and mobility i have that has helped me is because of alberto he moves like an alien by the way amber like he's one of the most like mobile in terms of like i guess you say like practical you know calisthenics almost that, yeah i guess you could it's to, to, to like kind of sum it up like that's like his forte in terms of like I mean, body tension and um <laughs> But yeah, no, it's he's
2: incredible
1: because he's strong and super flexible at the same time. Yeah, and you don't want to fight with it. trust no. me. So. No, no, I, I spar,
0: I sparred <laughs> with him he, because he's he's he was he was Italian special forces. He also was a bodyguard for the uh, Italian prime minister in the nineties. He was Ma- he was Madonna's bodyguard. He was Mark Anthony's bodyguard. He was JLo's bodyguard. He had a whole roster. And yep. that's, and he still teaches like special forces. I know. I know. It's I know, like, he's a, I, I have a spy with him. It hurts. It's not fun.
1: It's not fun. So I don't know if you know the story, but you know, he's basically, he's, he's more of a grappler guy. Yeah. Well, pa- Pavel is also good with, you know, with fighting, but he's more of a, of a striker. And yeah. we were in late. the three of us, we had a dinner and they decided that, they wanted to teach me some basics of self-defense. <laughs> so we met in a, in a gym owned by a friend of Alberto, the three of us, and uh, they taught me some basic techniques. Problem with striking and um, a battle with grappling. The result was that after three hours, I was completely beat up and I, <laughs> I was in pain for probably one week after that. Yeah. I said, hey, I lift weights not a fighter can't
0: do that yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to do I don't want to do it anymore no it's it's I guess that the the two years that I spent with Alberto like I said it's those it really changed me and, my, and obviously introduced me you know to you the strong first and then now it's it's really has entered to the people I know now and competing and
1: you know
0: I, I've told him multiple times and I'll continue to
1: always tell him that I appreciate him it's great to hear that, nice. right that you, you, you compete in powerlifting. You know, one of my uh, main uh, dreams is to be able, before I die, to go back and do one more powerlifting. Oh, you I should. Mean, That'd be so much fun. My, my problem is that, you know, my, I work usually um, at least three weekends out of four every month.
2: Yeah.
1: So it's very hard for me to plan. Yeah. No matter what, no matter where I go, I never miss a training session. The last training sessions that I session that I missed and I didn't recover was August fifteenth, nineteen ninety six. All the others, if I missed it, I found a way to recover. It. So when I travel, I make my plans ahead. I make sure I I figure out where there is a gym, where there yeah. is. Because it's so easy to get in that loop, you know, you start traveling, you get in different time zones, yeah. you, and you start, you know, missing training sessions. Yeah. So since I know all my travels in advance, I plan all my, all my tr- training sessions around my, my, my travels. Yeah. But very hard to peak for a competition. I should take like one month off yeah I
0: could now, but there's no meats. But yeah, but there's yeah, there's no meats, yeah, my so um so with well, all I, my with all my meats, I've sent to I always send to Alberto, I'll send him my meats and you know, you know to show, to show him because it's his fault, so you know, I, I share with them, but yeah, I think mean, when I started with you guys, my squat was uh, when I started with him when I first lifted Amber, my squat was um, my squat was 90 90 kilos for my squat my bench was 165 pounds, whatever that is in kilos. And then the, um, the 145 deadlift. kilo dead, deadlift. So now, but now my, my squat is, uh, I finally broke 200 kilo squat this week, uh, for a single. Um, and then I got the 125 kilo bench and then the, um, the 240 kilo 530 Uh, Deadlift, but then I actually went and I pulled uh, 525 for two reps a few days later. So I have more in the tank. So from so from that from with you guys in Burbank a couple years ago to now, yeah, it's changed a lot. So
1: yeah, I'm in that age phase where I'm not trying to improve, expecting to improve anymore. I'm trying to slow down the cadence, you know. Yeah, but still, some improvement can happen. How about Amber's numbers? What are you lifting? <laughs> what are your numbers? I, uh, I, I, no. I have Thomas here and I have you down here. Yeah. I think I'm here and I have you down
3: here. So. Yeah. So. Uh, well, uh, I've been competing since 2016. Um, my numbers went. Oh God, my first competition. I think it was like a 95 kilo squat as my third attempt. Bench. I, I have no idea. It was bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Technique was not there. Um, maybe like 50 something kilos under that. I can't remember. And deadlift was uh 300 pounds. So 130, I think I pulled 137.5 kilos. So 303. And now in that span, like I got away from it, did Olympic weightlifting, competed there. Um, got like right back into competing after my injury recovered in fall of 2018 and since then my numbers now are 353 pull um oh goodness uh 330 336 squat and
0: 196 bench yeah and what what do you compete at again
3: I'm i'm planning to compete in november
0: no what the weight class
3: Oh, weight class i compete in the 165 class yeah so
0: and she uh i'm 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 actually gonna send send you her pull fabio because she has one of the nicest pulls i don't
3: yeah it's taken me so long to like get it good yeah thanks to like having an awesome coach uh, yeah like probably one of the best deadlifters
1: yeah it's it's true you know what i'm i've been deadlifting since 1983 probably or two and i'm still trying to figure out how to improve my deadlift and squat and bench press so it's a it's a never-ending journey yeah never-ending
3: journey it, it's it's caught cost- like i mean since i started i look back at videos and oh my god <laughs> and i've definitely sent like old videos to my coach and he's just like don't feel bad my pulls were yeah. garbage as well Well
1: <laughs> you know I look back at videos of me pulling or squatting, you know, doing bench press three years ago and I find mistakes. I find things that yeah. I like while well, at the time looked perfect. So it means that, you know, there's, there's no- There's end- always something. There's no always end- something to improving. The yeah. problem yeah. is that, you know, my muscles don't respond as they used to because, you know, I do feel the age, the difference mm-hmm. in recovery any strength i think the uh, uh, the uh, ability to recruit motor units after a certain age does start to decline and so i have to improve the technique to keep my numbers so that's that's the goal
0: yeah. yeah i mean yeah. and like you said the better technique and better safety only adds to better numbers oh yeah exactly. um but
3: like it's like you were saying previously um uh, when you are talking about weightlifting camps um, or a weightlifting seminar, um, pardon me, I'm probably butchering what exactly you we are talking about, but how they don't load the bar or they're working with PVC pipes or dowels and just the barbell for a good six months. That's how I teach. I'm not going to put weight on the bar until you've got some sort of technical prowess down uh, because I don't want you injuring yourself for one, but we're going to get this right before we start loading weight.
1: You know, the reason... Is- There is this, it's hard to have a student understand that you should be patient. A little bit of weight sometimes is needed because especially in the squat and the deadlift because especially in the squat, it changes the center of mass, right? Yes. So, and I'm thinking this is one of the reasons why you need to keep learning and improving your squat. And and change it slightly according to your strength, because think about this. If you're squatting, the bar is here, and you have an empty bar, your center of mass is pretty much your belly button high. Right. And like uh, two two inches inside. But if you have your body weight here, what's your center of mass over you and the bar? It's going higher Higher. and back. And when you have two times body weight, pretty much your center of mass is where the bar is. Yeah. So you basically, your squat technique with an empty bar or with a heavy bar, or as a beginner, intermediate, or advanced, is different. You have to change it. It doesn't change that much the deadlift, though. No. Because the center of mass is always somewhere between the bar mm-hmm. and your belly button. And it's lower than belly button, so it's you're more stable. But in the squat, it does make a huge difference.
3: It does. It's, people are just so quick. They want to jump in and like start stacking kilos on the bar. And like yeah. we might sit at the same weight for three weeks, oh, yeah. four weeks. Cause we just want to nail this thing down, especially like as a trainer, you have an hour, you have an hour with a client. Exactly.
1: Yeah. exactly. And you know what? There's another thing that people don't realize, especially in the squat. They think they are getting stronger while they don't realize that they are just shortened the, the movement. You know? <laughs> yeah. At the end, you see them going so heavy and just going, you know, just eek, eek. Yeah. They think they are stronger. Yeah. And it's interesting when you go now. One thing that doesn't happen that much here because of the, the rules and regulations, you know, in gyms, you get coached by the instructor. No matter, what. Also, in, you know, commercial mainstream gyms. You go at a 24-hour fitness and fitness, or I go at Gold's. Gold's I mean, gym in Venice. I, yeah, I go there. Right. And you see all those people that are just doing a thing. No one is watching, right? It's unless you you hire a trainer. When you pay your entrance fee, you just you're allowed to use the equipment. Yeah, and you see the most funniest things ever happening. Yeah, so much, you know. Yeah, I
0: I think that's why I started powerlifting because I was so used to Alberto and you and you know. There's such there's standards, you know. The Take technique it. has to be so in, in order for the rack. And then with powerlifting, it's you have your judged. You have your depth call, start, you know, pause, rack, you know, like you you have the
1: standards. And by the way, at the SFL or Certification, you know, we do the same. Yeah. First of all, we do have some standards, you know, SFG, SFP whatever. Why do we have the stand? Why do we have this nexus, in your opinion? I'm sorry, was that again? In your opinion, why do we have the snatch test
0: at the at the kettlebell certification? The this yeah the snatch because they have the same the because the the SFG snatch test is the hundred snatches in five minutes at the right yeah. weight yes.
1: Right. Uh, why? Me, have, why is
0: it there? Because it's it is the snatch obviously is the most technical movement and it's where you get the most breakdown under under load. So if you want someone to you want a good performance test, you will not only see how someone is able to recover. And, and how much they prepare also, because they have to prepare, but also it's, you know, it's for the coaching, it's the, for the person coaching the person through the test, it's the, it's the movement of most breakdown under fatigue, so they get the most coaching experience. That's always been my opinion, that it's the hardest and one it, to train, hardest it's one true. to coach.
1: It is true, but it is a much easier reason for that. Probably. You know, easier reason. We have this snatch test to prevent the people we don't want from showing up. <laughs> <laughs> and the same applies for the barbells, sir. You know, you, we start day one, you get in, you register, you know, you do all your paperwork. First thing we do, you need to deliver two times body weight yeah. and, uh, and do 1.25 body weight bench press. That's for men, for ladies, it's slightly lower. But the reason we do this is they're not huge strength standards. But it's, again, to prevent people we don't want from showing up. If this is justification for becoming instructors. We expect that you show up, that you're prepared. So yeah. if, you, if, you're, if you come there, at a G1, confident that you can do 100 snatches in, you know, in five minutes with are training for kettlebell, it means that you're prepared for it. So we're not wasting time teaching you the basics. We are improving your technique and teaching you how to teach. So it's kind of, you know, making sure that, and this should be natural. is something that happens only in the fitness industry. People who don't know anything about that subject go there and get certified. Like, yeah. You know, I, I see this here in Italy. People who never talked about a kettlebell before, they take it to the events and they get kettlebell instructor. And I think.
0: All right, my friends, there you have it. The episode with the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Fabio Zoning. So, please reach out to him, Strong First, if you guys are ever so interested. They do have some of the best programs and coaching, um, especially their, that Plan Strong program that we mentioned that comes from Pavel, who is the founder of Strong First, um, and really just them as a whole, and the, as a company. They really are great. They treat their coaches and their students very, very well, and it was a pleasure to have them on. Thank you again, Fabio. Grazie mille. And Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Nerds Who Live podcast.